Hi, I'm Alicia Lockhart. And I'm LaDonna Humphrey. Welcome to Deep Dark Secrets, the podcast that shines a light in dark places. We have a very special episode for you today. We're going to give you a little sneak peek into the book that we've co-authored about the death fetish community and its potential link to the Melissa Witt case. Our book is entitled Strangled, and it's slated for release on October 28th. We're just a few days away from release, and we're getting really, really excited. So excited. I cannot wait to hear some feedback about this very strange year that we've had. Same here. Me too. For those of you that don't know, just a little bit of backstory. Strangled is the sequel to my first book, The Girl I Never Knew. And that book was written about the cold case of Melissa Witt and my personal experience in advocating for that almost 30-year-old cold case. She was only 19 years old when she was killed. This case just struck a chord with me. But towards the end, the very end of The Girl I Never Knew, I write about how Alicia sends a tip to my team, to the Witt team, and I introduce the death fetish community to my readers. And I share the correspondence between myself and a few death fetish community members known as Horror Man and the Vermilion Strangler. These two people have caused a lot of questions every time I go and speak about the girl I never knew, if I'm in an event or a book reading. People are just really curious, Alicia, to learn more about these fetishers. I think a lot of people find them to be fascinating and horrifying. It's just like, how can these be real people? Yeah, exactly. And one of the things that I have found through this process of writing a book is that People want to know more. And so I get lots of questions about you, Alicia. I get lots of questions about the death fetish community. And they want to know why I left out so many details. And I have to explain to them that was intentional because there was a lot of information at the time that we had that we didn't want to give out about that lead and about the death fetish community because it was potentially tied to Melissa's case. It's still potentially tied to Melissa's case, although we know a little bit more than we did when we started. And so as I was writing The Girl I Never Knew, it became pretty clear that Alicia and I were going to be working together. We had some shared goals. Don't you think that's fair to say, Alicia? Oh, yeah. Things just kind of unfolded in a way that just felt like things were bigger than us. And so as you were writing The Girl I Never Knew, I actually had started to write about my own experience with the death fetish community. And I really was doing it as a therapeutic thing for myself. I didn't know what I would do with it. But as we continued to look into the death fetish community and kept questing for truth and trying to figure out if this community had anything to do with Melissa's murder it became very clear that we would (laughs) probably be working together for a very long time. The synergy and the energy and the good vibes, all of it that she and I have together have made such a huge impact for the Wit case, but also in our quest to end the death fetish community. And so after The Girl I Never Knew was released, it became very clear that there was going to be a sequel and that that sequel could not happen without the amazing Alicia Lockhart. And so she was gracious enough to agree to write this book with me. That's how Strangled was born. And Strangled gives the readers all of the juicy details about Alicia, her experience with a death fetish producer. And it also gives an inside account of our undercover investigation into the death fetish community. And if you haven't listened to that episode that talks about the death fetish community and our initial investigation, please go back and listen to that because I do think that our listeners 
we'll find that interesting. There's some more details in those episodes if you're wanting to know a little bit more. There's also a lot more details in Strangled, the book. And I'm going to go ahead and read the back of the book because it gives a very nice overview of what you're getting into if you decide to purchase Strangled and read it. LaDonna Humphrey gains a new ally in her effort to find justice in the 1994 unsolved murder case of Melissa Ann Witt when Alicia Lockhart reveals a dark and troubling secret from her past. Together, Humphrey and Lockhart must delve inside a dangerous and twisted world known as the Dark Web to unlock a series of mysteries, including Alicia's haunting connection to Melissa Witt's murder. Strangled is the shocking and suspenseful account of the war Humphrey and Lockhart wage on a warped and depraved online community set on destruction, murder, and mayhem. The stakes are high. Their safety is compromised. Evil lurks with every click. Just how far are they willing to go to find the answers they need? Oh, how do you feel when you hear that, LaDonna? I feel empowered almost because that describes this amazing quest and adventure that we've been on together and just how powerful I think we are together and our voices are together, not only to put a stop to the disgusting world of death fetish, but to also bring some closure and potential justice for Melissa Witt. It gets me excited all over again. It's really surreal to hear that paragraph just summing up the last year of our lives. And it still blows my mind that everything that we just read is true. This is a true story of the things that we've seen and experienced the last year regarding Melissa Witt's case and the death fetish community. Well, and I think, too, that an important factor in this is the um, dedication that the reader will see that we have to this, both of us to a girl that we never knew, also to countless women all across the world who have been touched in such a way by either death fetish, pornography, or rape, or injustice, or abuse, all of those things that may have silenced their voice. I just, I think this is an important journey, and I hope that it empowers other women to learn how to empower other women. I mean, I get really, really riled up about it. I'm excited. It's an important piece of work. Still, I'm just floored by the way that things have unfolded. It's just felt like there's some divine force at play here. Who knew that a memory of mine of a creepy modeling experience in 2009 where I was asked to pretend to be a strangulation victim in a morgue wearing nothing but a Mickey Mouse watch could snowball in this way and turn into a lifelong friendship, a police report, a book, a podcast, and just a huge mission. It's an unlikely pairing of sorts because we live so far away from each other. What are the chances that we would have ever met any other way? And then the fact that the universe just weaved us together in the way that it did for such an important cause. I think that that's a message that will hopefully resonate with our readers. I hope that they will take this work that we've done because it is true crime, but it's a different kind of true crime. This is happening as we speak, as we're writing this. I don't think a lot of books are written like that. And so I'm hopeful that that will get the reader excited too. Yeah, I think that it will. And I think if readers can be open to reading true crime in a different format, our book is part true crime and 
it also feels kind of like a memoir in a way. So I'm hoping that our readers can keep an open mind and experience a different style of true crime. I would like to take a little bit of time so we can talk to each other, maybe interview each other, so to speak, so the reader can kind of understand our motivation. Because I think we each have a shared cause and experience, but we also have some very personal reasons why this project is so important to us. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I will kick it off by asking you a question that I think people will be interested to hear the answer to. What do you hope that Strangled accomplishes? I think about this a lot. And I think overall, Alicia, for me, I hope that Strangled accomplishes us getting closer, if not crossing that finish line for justice for Melissa Witt. That's what's got me out of bed every morning for the past seven years to find that justice for her. But I also want Strangled to really open the eyes of the readers and the community and the world that there are these communities out there online that are glorifying the murder of young women and how dangerous that is and what that can result in, rape and murder and all kinds of horrible things. So it's really important to me that it also is a piece of work that enlightens people to say, oh, wait, I didn't know this existed. We can't allow this to exist. We have to do something. I think motivating people to action. That is all I could hope for out of this book, too. I really am feeling like the best possible outcome would be that somebody gets this book in their hands and they are able to share information or further this mission to the next level. And it really is two missions because we do want justice for Melissa Witt and we also want to see these scary communities go offline so that the people that are in them can focus their attention on getting mental health care rather than going deeper into their issues. It's my turn. I'm going to ask you a question. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, what's your favorite (laughs) chapter in Strangled? Oh, it is so hard to choose. Every time that I think that I have selected my favorite chapter, I read it again and another one really strikes me. I think I'm going to go with Into the Woods. And this is a chapter where LaDonna Humphrey decides to embark on a undercover journey of catfishing a death fetish producer. So she is pretending to be a love interest to gain information from this person of interest in the Wit case. And I just think that it's so bold. It's so ballsy. I also really love a good love story. Like I used to run speed dating events and I'm, I'm all about being on the inside of a relationship and just watching a relationship unfold and being able to be a passenger in that experience that you had with that death fetish producer was so interesting. We were a match made in hell, I think. (laughs) And (laughs) I mean, I joke about it. It was a very scary experience when it was happening. It was intense. It was very, very intense. And even going back and rereading what I wrote, sometimes I'm even surprised at myself what I was willing to do so I could get information from this guy. I hope that two things are accomplished in that chapter. Is it one, obviously I want people to enjoy it because there is some humor in it, but I also want people to see the dedication that 
I have and you have and the WIT team and law enforcement have to getting answers and that we'll do whatever it takes. We'll pretty much stop at nothing to discover the truth and to get justice from Melissa. I hope that when the reader gets to that chapter that they will feel that they were right there with me in my catfishing experience. I'm pretty sure they will. I think that's going to be a fan favorite. It's astounding the amount of ground that we covered in this book. Like this book includes a catfishing romance. It includes clown pornography, many strange fetishes, true crime, poetry, stalking, multiple personalities, necrophilia, legal battles, hackers, serial killers, court affidavits, and then also just this very like raw vulnerable, emotional experience that two women are sharing. There's really something for everybody in the book, I think. We said it earlier, but I think that this is a new spin on true crime. And I love that. I love being a a mover and a shaker. I want to be different. I want to be a rule breaker. I want to have the work that we're doing that is so meaningful to be understood. And I think that this is the best way to do it. We've written it in such a vulnerable way. Here we are, no apologies. We're doing what we can to get justice for a 19-year-old murder victim, but we're also coming for the death fetish community. And we can also laugh at ourselves. I just, I know it's our book and we're going to be partial to it, but I also think that if it's anywhere received the way the girl I never knew was, then we'll have people that will really enjoy it and feel impassioned to make a difference themselves. That leads into another question I just thought of for you, which is that I know a lot of your following a lot of your readers are people who have been wanting to see Melissa Witt's case solved for a long time and have been anxiously following along. They care a lot about Melissa. I just noticed that from looking at the Who Killed Melissa Witt page, it seems like there's a lot of really caring, heartfelt people in Arkansas and other places that are following this case. And so I know a lot of those people are going to be looking at this book and wondering, what does this really have to do with Melissa? Is this really tied to Melissa or is there another tangent? And so I guess I'm curious, if somebody were to ask you that question, why should I read Strangled after I already read The Girl I Never Knew? How would you answer that? I think the answer to that question is multifaceted, but I think I would say this is really a deep dive into a small portion of the Wit case. You mentioned that we have all these people that care about the case, and we do. We, you know, our Facebook page is about 14,000 people strong. You know, we've got millions of shares of our information. People care about this case. And I think for them to be able to kind of step inside the investigation would be exciting. And outside of exciting, I think maybe it helps educate them about what goes into a cold case because it's easy, easy, easy to look at it from the outside and say, well, is anything going on? And these are not things that necessarily you might talk about or the police are going to go hold a press conference over. And so I think it will help people feel the movement in the case. And I think that can spark some hope that things are still happening, that the case is still relevant here in 2022. She hasn't been forgotten and that there are new leads being developed. A lot of those new leads are being developed because of the work of my team. I have an amazing team that's been working for seven years to keep the Wit case alive. And if it wasn't for all of this work, Alicia, you would have never come forward and we wouldn't be talking today. The fact that you and I were even able to connect says everything about what your team is doing. You were able to reach 
somebody all the way across the world and talk to them about a potential suspect that you may have never heard about. And I feel like that's so important because there are a lot of cases where the suspect or the murderer has left the area and the only way you're going to get a hold of that person is by reaching people on a national level. And so that's what the WIT team is doing. And that's an amazing resource for the police to have. I agree. And I hope that other law enforcement agencies across the United States will be able to take this model and see what proactive team of professional investigative journalists can add to a cold case. I think also on a personal level, and I'm just going to get really honest right now and raw, is that I'm heavily criticized you can see it in my reviews for my book and sometimes on the Facebook page, I get criticized sometimes for the work I'm doing on behalf of Melissa. And it's been a little bit confusing for me because it's not about me. This journey is about getting justice for Melissa Witt. And I'm just hopeful that the readers of this book will see that and see the takeaway and see what I'm willing to do and to put myself out there and what you're willing to do and put yourself out there for Melissa's case and maybe understand passion and drive that we have personally for this and that it's not anything that we're gaining anything out of. I'm not gaining anything from this. This is all for Melissa. And so I think selfishly, that's a personal hope that I have that people will get a glimpse into that dedication and maybe a little bit more of who I am and and my heart for this case. I think that that is a very strong message that the book sends. I would hope that people would be able to read this and understand that the cost of what you've done is pretty high. And it's remarkable that you continue to do this work. And it really does seem like there is something bigger than you that's guided you to continue to do this. And I am a firm believer in fate and the collective consciousness. And I do feel like there are things that need to be done in this world. And there are people who are designed to do them. And I do just feel like it's so clear that your passion for this case is coming from something bigger than just yourself. And I have experienced that feeling as well in getting to know you and the way that I feel about taking down these death fetish sites and communities and getting this content offline so that people are not damaging their mental health and putting themselves in a dangerous place where they might harm other people. Your passion really does come through in the book. And that's one of the things that I think has really drawn me to you in terms of a friendship and wanting to partner with you. You have this ability to just complement the other efforts that you're seeing happening with the team to compliment me personally. It's like we were always meant to be these partners. And I'm grateful for that because carrying this load is heavy. And you know that this is a heavy, heavy load just with the wit case and now against the fetishers. And I think that God, the universe, whatever anybody believes in is their higher power. For me, it's God knew that I needed that partner, that person who was going to come alongside me and say, hey, I'm going to lift you up on the days that you are just dog tired and you want to give up. On the flip side of that, I can do that for you too. And I think that's what I needed. And it put a little extra pep in my step. And here we are releasing book number two. So I'm excited about it. And I cannot wait for people to join us and 
start their own effort, their own declaration of we need justice. We need it for Melissa and we need for the death fetish community to be shut down. We really do help each other out whenever one of us is having one of those uh, low or tired days. The other one is just bursting with, look what I found. I've been researching or let's try this new thing. Like, let's just keep going forward, keep pushing forward until we get the results that we need. And so that's been such a natural and positive and just fateful experience. I'm so thankful for it. And there isn't a day that goes by that I don't wake up and feel deeply in my heart that this is what I'm supposed to be spending all of my time doing. I've had many people this year, when I tell them about just new developments in my life, they're just like, wow. And that feels <laughs> that feels like a yes to you. <laughs> like, yeah, it does. I know it sounds crazy, but I'm positive that this is what I'm supposed to be doing with my time and my energy right now. Something that excites me too, and I haven't really even got to talk to you about this yet. So this will be one of those podcasts that I surprise you with some new information. But one of the things that's happened because of the girl I never knew, and you and I kind of joke about this and I talk about this, is that really now I don't go anywhere at all without people coming up and talking to me. Or, hey, will you sign my book? Or, oh, you know, did you write The Girl I Never Knew? You know, talk to me about the Wit case. And one of the things that happened recently that I thought was so amazing is that someone came up to me and they said, hey, I, I read The Girl I Never Knew. I've been following, you know, the Wit page. I started following your podcast. And I want to know more about Alicia Lockhart. She is so brave. Aww. And I was so excited about that because... You are brave. I mean, you are so incredibly brave. And your bravery really was the spark that ignited the whole new side of an investigation. It gave new life to this case and so many other things that have come out because of your bravery. And so that was exciting to me. I think that people recognize that you are so important on this journey now. But I think that if they read Strangled, they're going to get to know you even better and love you and grateful for your advocacy, too. So I felt like that was important to share that people are taking notice. That is so cool to hear. And I'm very excited to, um, you know, just talk to people who go through this book and read it. And then they have a full picture of how this very strange lead actually does tie into Melissa's case and had to be looked at. And that they get to know a little bit of my heart and where I'm coming from too, because you're right, this hasn't been an easy thing for me to talk about. It actually started out being the absolute thing, the one thing in the world that I never wanted to talk about to anybody. And so going from a place of this is my deepest, darkest secret to I'm going to tell the world about this. It's been a very strange trajectory, but I wouldn't have it any other way. It's important to to talk about this, this part of my past and where it may lead to, what it means. I couldn't agree more. And one of the things that I have said recently to some people that I spoke to about the Wit case was that strangled is our, mine and yours, unapologetic truth. Love it or hate it, it is what it is. This is who we are. This is what we're about. These are the things that we're doing to stop injustice. That really sums it up. And 
I'm proud to be working with you. So I'm grateful, girl. I'm ready. Let's do this. I'm so ready. I have one more question I think that we should explore because it's something that somebody recently asked me about the book. This was a dear friend of mine, and she was curious about why we had to change the name of one of the main people or main characters in this book. In Strangled, we are focusing on the death fetish community, but there is a producer in particular that I had worked with in the past, and we do a deep dive into his history and whether or not he has ties to Arkansas. And spoiler alert, he does. This person I was speaking with, they were asking, why didn't you release this person's name to the public? There's several different reasons. One, the glaring you know, neon sign that's over my head is legal issues. We definitely don't want to get into any kind of legal drama with this man, particularly because of the way he's been looked at, the things that were so similar to the Witt case. I'm not saying he had anything to do with the Witt case, but there's a lot of similarities. We had to look at him. I think for that, and I think for his own safety, I would like to point out, because there will be vigilante people who will learn about the death fetish community and maybe want to take matters into their own hands if they think, well, maybe this guy did kill Melissa Witt. And again, we're not saying that he did. We're just telling our truth about what we had to investigate. So I think it's a little bit of all of it. He's going to know, obviously, that it's about him. And so, hey, man, (laughs) if you're listening, (laughs) hope you like the book. I think that's important for people to know. This person that we're writing about, this death fetish producer who made this video that seems to be made in the likeness of Melissa Witt, he is a real person. These are real events that happened. And we don't have a clear answer yet as to whether or not he's involved in this case. I want to take this opportunity because I'm pretty sure that he'll listen to this at some point to just let him know that the easiest way for all of this to stop is to have a real authentic, genuine conversation with us, with law enforcement. This doesn't have to be this big dramatic thing. He wants to reach out and let everybody know what he was doing in December of 1994. He could really shut this whole thing down. It's going to be up to him now what happens next. There are people that know him that are close to him. Maybe they'll read this book and it might strike somebody a certain way. They might remember something. I just don't think that this story is over. And so I look forward to the day that we have a very clear answer on his potential involvement in Melissa Witt's case. Me too. And I'm thinking about this. I think I have one more question for you before we close this out today. We've experienced so much and some of it has been frightening now that we're releasing Strangled and it's just all going to be out there for the world to see. What are you thinking? What are you feeling? Do you have a level of fear? Do you feel empowered? I mean, what are your your feelings? That's a great question. I have definitely been on an emotional journey over the last year. I think that when all of this started, I was processing all of these emotions and I was very upset, very fearful. And I came to a fork in the road where I realized that I either needed to let all of this go and just kind of try to forget it and move on with my life, or I could do something productive with this experience. And when I 
got to that point of thinking, I decided that I would rather share personal, vulnerable information and potentially make a difference in the world than to stay comfortable and small and hidden. And so from that day forward, I do feel like my fear was kind of transmuted into some sort of empowerment. And I am still being harassed. I am still getting death threats. I'm still getting strange sexual harassment messages like every 48 hours or so, but it doesn't rattle me the way that it used to. And I really hope that that's something that I've conveyed well in the book because it was a journey for me to get from a point of being just terrified all the time to being where I'm at now, where I just feel unwavering in my devotion to follow this through. Good. I'm glad to hear that. I don't want either of us to ever be driven by fear. There is some of that, but I think empowerment is how I feel. I'm right there with you. Oh, and I also want to say that I actually feel much safer with this book being out for everybody to read because I think that it makes it more risky for somebody to make some kind of attack on either of us or our families or our homes. Like they're obviously going to go looking for some of these death fetish producers (laughs) at that point. I agree completely. I mean, it's almost like our response to them doxing us in the community. But I won't give out any more spoilers. I'll let the listeners pick up a copy of Strangled. To our listeners, I just want to say thank you. And please join us in our fight to take down these death fetish websites and communities. Definitely take a look at our website, deepdarksecretspodcast.com. If you go there, you can see all of our latest efforts in law changes, petitions, things like that about death fetish communities. Thanks so much for listening today. If you'd like to order a copy of our book, you can also do that on our website, deepdarksecretspodcast.com. Please check back on Halloween. That's when we're going to release an episode about a real murderer in the death fetish community. Once that episode airs on Halloween, we will be doing weekly new episodes. So that's something to look forward to. Farewell for now, friends, and remember to keep your lights on. For exclusive content from this episode and all other episodes, head on over to our Patreon, patreon.com backslash deepdarksecrets. Sign up and you'll be able to see some visuals that accompany each episode.